shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. It's all Saturday. Ahoy, ahoy, ahoy. Here's the deal. I am feeling extremely frustrated with myself right now. So I have been trying to record this part. This part that is just going to be a few minutes for over an hour, over an hour. I'm sitting here overthinking the shit out of this and stopping and re-recording. And the fact of the matter is that there is nothing profound (laughs) that I am about to say to you guys This is just a few minutes of some basic talking, some basic words slung together. Uh, Strung, not slung, strung together. That needs to occur here. Uh, And I'm acting as if I'm about to give a talk in front of the UN or a, I don't know, like a TED talk or something. (laughs) Enough's enough, I said, enough's enough. So for anybody who's new and is asking what the hell is Shit Show Saturday, well, Shit Show Saturday is where you get to hear from a member of my shit show family. So from a member of my Patreon community, this is where I host three weekly support groups. This is also where we have a WhatsApp chat that is popping all damn day, all day long. This is like having a support community at your fingertips in your back pocket. It is not like having that. It is having that. And this is truly a magical community you know, one of the reasons that I started this, well, one obviously is because a girl's got to eat, a girl's got a cat to feed, a girl's got to keep the lights on. But two, and just as importantly, is that I had yet to find my adult child tribe. I had not found my, my peeps yet. You know, one of the key ingredients in my sobriety, one of the key ingredients in me getting so sober and staying sober was the fellowship was the relationships that I've cultivated over the past 14 years. The one thing that I have done consistently every single day without fail is connect with somebody else in the program in AA. And I had yet to find that I had yet to find my adult child peeps. And so I launched this podcast and as y'all start reaching out to me, I go, Oh shit there's my peeps. (laughs) There's my peeps. There's my tribe. They're listening to, to my podcast. Thus, the shit show was born. You do need to damn the join Patreon. You're missing out. I know that there's got to be at least, uh, I mean, a hundred, if not a thousand of y'all listening right now who have been wanting to join, who have yet to pull the trigger So how about we change that right here, right now, because there is a group of some really cool people, some fine-ass shit shows, who will not judge you, who get you, who accept you, who are there to walk this journey with you. But what I think the secret sauce of this community is the joy and the laughter that also is very much present. As I've said many times before, this adult child recovery work is not for sissies. This is some hard shit. This is some heavy shit. But we also need to bring joy and humor and levity 
into. So this is a support community that is actually fun. We be having a good time in this group. So how about you damn the join Patreon, patreon.com slash adult child. So the way that these groups go is I typically first ask, does anybody have something that they need to share? And if not, I then will read a reading. I usually read from Strengthening My Recovery, which is the ACA daily meditation book, or I read from The Language of Letting Go, which is Melody Beatty's daily meditation book. So I forgot to press record before I read the the reading. So I am going to read that to y'all now. And then we will um, get on, get the show on the road. This is from The Language of Letting Go, January 26th. Off the hook. We can learn not to get hooked into unhealthy, self-defeating behaviors in relationships. Behaviors such as caretaking, controlling, discounting ourselves, and believing lies. We can learn to watch for and identify hooks and choose not to allow ourselves to be hooked Often, people do things consciously or without thinking that pulls us into a series of our self-defeating behaviors we call codependency. More often than not, these hooks can be almost deliberate and the results predictable. Someone may stand before us and hint or sigh about a problem, knowing or hoping that hint or sigh will hook us into taking care of him or her. That is manipulation. When people stand around us and hint and sigh about something, then coyly say, oh, never mind, that's not for you to worry about. That is a game. We need to recognize it. We're about to get sucked in if we allow that to happen. We can learn to insist that people ask us directly for what they want and need. What are the words, the signs, the looks, the hints, and the cues that hook us into a predictable and often self-defeating behavior. What makes you feel sympathy? Guilt? Responsible for another? Our strong point is that we care so much. Our weak point is that we often underestimate the people with whom we're dealing. They know what they're doing. It is time we give up our naive assumption that people don't follow agendas of their own in their own best interest and not necessarily in ours. If someone baits the hook, we don't have to bite it. Today, I will be aware of the hooks that snag me into the caretaking acts that leave me feeling victimized. I will ignore the hints, looks, and words that hook me and wait for the directness and honesty others and I deserve. And now for some fine ass shit shows. This is an area where I've, I'm able to see like so much growth in myself. You know, we, we, we're trained, we're conditioned to like get hooked, to take the bait. And it's all we know. And I remember this like very pivotal moment when I was six years sober. And, you know, for my whole life, I always deep down inside thought that there was something that I was going to be able to like do or say to get my mom to stop drinking. And I just remember this, this one particular time where I was sitting in my car and I was just screaming at her from the top of my lungs. And after 
after I got off the phone with her, that was like when it, I, I felt like shit. And so that was the moment where it stopped working for me, essentially. Like in the past, that was like an adrenaline rush. I get sucked in. It was feeding me and fueling me in some way. And that was the moment where it stopped working, you know, kind of like some people get to a point where the booze just don't do the trick anymore. And so, you know, ever since then, it's it's learning how to um, I don't get I don't get hooked into their shit. I've, I've gotten to a place where I don't take the bait most of the time. Um, and I'm able to identify and see what they're doing. Um, you know, having distance from them for so long has made it a whole hell of a lot easier for me. And so just moving back, you know, within a few days, I took the bait, I got sucked back. It's so easy to just get sucked back into it. So easy. The little girl in me always thought that there was something I could do to save my parents. And I know that remaining to be rooted in that belief is just solely detrimental to me. So I think I was going to say one other thing. Oh, my, so my birthday's tomorrow. I'm going to be 34. I feel like this is the first birthday where I'm like, okay, before I say this, I understand that I am a lot younger than, you know, than everyone else in this group, but I do feel the ways of like, I'm 34 and this is where I'm at. I'm not fully financially independent. I'm single. Like the panic has been setting in some more so than in any other birthday. Uh, and so I'm not looking for you guys to share about how, oh, you're so, you got years ahead of you. I know this. I understand that I'm still like young, but that panic does, it sets in. It's like, I'm at, it feels like I'm out of time. Like it, I, I don't have enough time left to to create the life that I truly want to live. And I know that that's absolute bullshit, um, but that's what comes in. You're a loser, you're a failure, <clears throat> all the things. So open okay thank you hi everybody uh i think i'm a shit show i'm not convinced we are yeah okay so uh it's not a medical diagnostic right but uh, i feel like that a lot so this betty fourth thing about uh, feeling the hook of people uh, I'm currently feeling like that, you know, but it's um, a recurrent or something that happened a lot to, to me in love, in you know, in romantic relationships. Like I feel hooked in relationships, you know, like especially going forward. Even though I probably choose most of the things, is that my beliefs are is that I don't know. This will this will probably will come out very bad <laughs> in a lot of ways you know but i have these belief systems that every girl i date wanna get married you know and you know and move uh, together and that that's what everybody desires you know everybody i dated you know so every once in a while that i move forward in a relationship i think i, I feel pushed in that direction right and it's not necessarily something that I don't like, but when I do it, you know, sometimes it feels like that, you know, that I was like a little bit hooked in that direction. And, I, and I'm telling that, you know, while looking to apartment to move in with, a, with my current girlfriend, 
you know so i don't know if it's probably fear that i'm uh, you know feeling right now you know but um like two weeks ago this was exactly what i what i wanted for me and now i feel this uh you know this feeling again like being hooked that i don't have an option it's like for example it's like she's taking everything everything so seriously you know like oh we have to go we have to schedule with the realtor you know and the, you know everything they said is like you know so sacred and you know and, and I, I don't care a lot you know like that you know i i've done it a lot of times you know and uh, for her you know i had to um uh, fix my schedule for every meeting you know and uh, yeah and then the, and I have to, you know, I don't know. It's like we have a different way to do it. and But I feel forced to do it in her way, you know, somehow. This hook, you know, is, is pulling me. So whenever I feel a little, some room or some freedom inside what we're doing, I feel extremely well. Like, like I can breathe, you know, a little bit. And I know this, this has nothing to do with her that that's the point you know it has nothing to do with her it's it's my i don't know my my faulty beliefs are, uh in terms of what uh, a relationship should be I, I i don't know but you know it's like so i have this awareness that this is coming again and it has nothing to do with the situation but i feel trapped i feel hooked you know i feel like that you know and this is a healthy relationship. I'm not forced to anything, but I feel like that, you know, like uh I don't know exactly where it where it came, where 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 it where it started or how why, you know, it's uh it's something that's so recurrent because everything I wanted, I wanted for life feels like uh it's behind that, you know. It's like I really need to, you know, work this thing, you know, because it's constantly appearing, you know, in in work relationships as well. You know, it's like if I had uh I'm gonna close with this, but if I have like informal clients, like casual things, I want a, a two-year contract. And then when I have the two-year contract, I feel trapped. Everything, you know, nothing works, you know, <laughs> like, like if it's a, a casual relationship and sexual, I don't, I don't want it. I want it to commitment, a committed relationship. But when I have a committed relationship, I feel trapped. So uh, it's not easy to be me, you know, I, sometimes I hate it, you know, most of the time I enjoy it, but, but uh, I, this is something I really wanted to work out because uh, I don't want it to, 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 to spend, a, 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 you know, like uh, to move again, uh, furniture is so, you know, I, I'm not 34, uh, I, I'm, a I'm, I'm a little bit older and it gets tired you know nope. to do this again you know like comments. oh my god again with the with the moving company and i don't know what you guys use over there but it's so the you know it's extenuating to do this like this will be like my four or five times you know i've been married once but you know i had like four moves so let's i hope uh this mm -hmm. this will be better mm -hmm. than the rest of them but thank you for being there and uh happy birthday in advance 
um, when I first, just after I had hit my emotional rock bottom, the, uh, the idea of hooks actually became kind of a thing. And one of the, there's kind of two types of hooks in my life. So one of the things that um, the person who explained this to me first said, like, if you think about fish, every fish needs some sort of basic nourishment. And so when they go for a juicy worm on a hook, they are looking for nourishment. The problem is they get hooked, right? That's the negative part of, for the fish at least. Um, and it's a bonus, I guess, to the fisher person. But um, so for me, I had to recognize that there were um, sort of like the crumbs or nourishment in a relationship that kept me hooked into a cycle. So often what would happen is there would be negative things that would happen, but then love bombing or um, false apologies and that sort of thing, or, you know, gifts or even just like basic tasks being done around the house. That would be kind of like the juicy worm that I would take, but then it would hook me back into um, an unhealthy, um, unhealthy relationship. The other thing that I noticed in me that would often get me hooked and unbalanced would be like anyone's disapproval. So whether I did something wrong or not, if someone was particularly with my ex, but I would say like in my family relationships too, I would notice that like if anyone was disappointed or angry with me, then I would automatically go into like this shame and guilt and I would feel guilty and I would like believe that I had done something horrible because the person was acting as though I had done something horrible. And so that would um, kind of get me hooked into a, um, you know, hooked into a codependent reaction to their actions. Um, the other thing was any sort of like sadness or, um, so th the person that I was involved with, like in my marriage, he, looked at everything so sad, like everything in his life was so sad. And granted, there was a lot of sadness in his life. And so that would often, so like if something really bad happened, but then he would express something, you know, talk about something that was really difficult for me, that would hook me back into, like my empathy would draw me back into this relationship, which wasn't healthy for me. Um, and so I literally had to get to a place where you know, a year ago, he was literally like on his hands and knees crying on our deck. And I had to keep 10 feet between me and him because I knew if I got any closer, I was going to get sucked back into the, the cycle because I can't help but try to rescue somebody. And instead of throwing them a buoy, I give them all of me and then I end up drowning as well. So that's just definitely something that I have to look at. And then the last hook that really gets me um, psychologically hooked into people is like if somebody has a problem, so predominantly with my ex, if he had a behavioral issue, I wanted him to have good relationships with me and the kids so then I would spend a lot of time trying to explain to him how his actions were hurting so that he could have better relationships with the kids and one thing, it's a verse from the Bible, actually, so hopefully that's not too triggering for anybody, but 
there's this verse that says, a fool looks in the mirror and sees himself for a moment, but when he walks away, he forgets. And I realize that I spend so much energy chasing this person around and holding up a mirror, trying to get them to see themselves so that they could be better, so that my life could be better and the kids' lives could be better. And that was, um, and I still notice sometimes I do that. I, you know, he'll do something and then, you know, I've committed to myself to only have like short back pocket responses so that I don't get sucked into these circular conversations. But every once in a while, I end up, you know, trying to show him that what he's doing is hurting himself and me and the kids. And it's just, it's sad, but, you know, I might as well bang my head against a wall. And that's really sad for me to kind of let someone go like that. But, and it's kind of scary, but those are the hooks that often will get me off balance. So some of it is the good things that I think, oh, that will nourish me. And then I get hooked. And some of it's just like trying to rescue. Happy you day coming up. I'm very excited for you. And I think that like pain is relative. <laughs> and like the birthday blues are, I always get the birthday blues now and I'm more aware of them. And I remember the first time I had the birthday blues, what I call it. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, but um, I was 27. I, I like literally had a meltdown and I thought all the things that you had described, I was like doing it, you know, um, and you know what? Then I set a course for my 30s, which, you know, by the time I was 30, I was um, engaged and then married. And that quickly, the same year, fell apart. And, you know, tragic relationships, you know, not all tragic, you know, but, you know, not for lack of trying. I really tried, but here I am 43. And um, I, I now can say I'm happily single and I'm really giving my higher power free reign. I, you know, I, that's just, it's, but it's, but it's been a lot of heartbreak in the, in the meantime, and a lot of soul searching and of a lot of therapy and, and, and I'm here learning every day. So, and from you so much. So um, I'm very happy and so happy birthday. Um, so number two, and I want to touch on hooks. I hadn't really thought about, or, or I guess, I guess called hooks, hooks, like being hooked. I, I guess I call them triggers. Um, so I grew up in an alcoholic home. Um, alcoholism is on both sides of my family and also my family is um, multiracial so there's a there's a few things going on with that my mother's actually originally from Africa my father is white and from the U.S. and so it gets a little complicated um, from both of those things and so I think we have um, my mom came from a war-torn country and has a lot of trauma from that um, she was also my first active alcoholic and um, my father, um, American, is a is a an adult child, and, and you know, he's been to like some Al-Anon, but I would say largely un, um, I guess undiagnosed. I guess it's a new term, but certainly, um, I also recognize him as my own my first narcissist in my life. Um, and so there's a lot of healing I've had to do, and also a lot of, um, you know. I, I'm just in my healing journey and I, you know, I, I've, so it is what it is. Um, but being hooked, I never thought of it as like, I, I guess I thought, thought of it as a, a trigger, um, a trigger. So, um, I'm going to think about that here in a different way and set myself up for, you know, 
some different way to hear and to be in a situation. Um, so I appreciate that. I have some praise news. I got, I got a new home. Um, it's going to be the first time I'm going to live by myself. Um, and I'm very happy. I like have like a, I would say like a dream apartment in a way that I, like I was almost homeless two years ago and I'm going to cry, but like I have my home and, um, it's been a long journey and I'm very happy. And I've, you know, my, my, my life doesn't look like I thought it would, but like, I now know that I don't even know what I thought that means. And I feel like in a lot of ways I'm a survivor. And so, um, so I'm just here learning and listening and, um, really, really, really appreciate like how vulnerable you guys all are and how brave you all are. And each day is a blessing. And so just happy birthday to you and to, yeah. And just, I'm just really, really thankful. Sorry. I just panicked for a second that my, I thought my, <laughs> thought that I was unmuted the whole time while I was just putting my kids to bed. Dad, can I just say like, what a amazing thing it is to listen to everybody and like how articulate everyone is. And it's just, really profound I think it's a, it's a profound part of being a part of this community and one of the gifts is hearing other people's shares so um, speaking of hooks I noticed that in my recent um, getting to know my anger phase that I'm in that I like have a tendency to just kind of go into a like getting pissed about things that really don't have, I don't have, they don't have anything to do with me. And then feeling how that hook, and that's such a interesting word. Like I take it home and say, like, I had a conversation with a coworker that I really don't have much to do with. I just see her very briefly, but um, I feel like a lot of times when there's comments that people make where I feel like somebody is being targeted or talked about unfairly or in, or in unjustly I want I, it pisses me off and then I want to put them in, in their place even though it has nothing to do with me like it's not my fucking fight but I want to fucking like go after them and like what persecute them in some way so that's been interesting, noticing that that's a hook that works its way into me. Um, and then we had a, a, a neighbor here that, that passed away recently. And my parents have terrible relationships with their neighbors. This neighbor had been a really terrible drunk, I guess. Um, I didn't know him then, but he got sober. And when I was young, younger, um, and he'd be out in the field, I'd make some sandwiches and I'd, you know, go out and visit our neighbor. And, uh, you know, we'd always stop wherever I was, like he'd stop the tractor and we'd have kind of like a little picnic in the field or, you know, like if I'd see him in the grocery store, he'd stop, he'd always stop, you know, and just take time to talk to me and ask me how things were doing and 
I had heard that he'd gotten sick. I'd heard that he'd come down with pancreatic cancer and that it had spread into his liver, but I didn't know much and I'm not really connected, you know, with his family much anymore. But then on Monday, I get a text message from my mom who I haven't heard from in weeks. All it said was Al died and his funeral is today at the Holy Cross Church in Powers Lake. And I was at school teaching. And I went into the bathroom and I just bawled. And that is one of the hooks that she has used with me a lot. Communicating like painful things in in a very uncaring way. And like I read it at school. So there was there was no way that I could have left school to go to the funeral. But if I would have known about it, I would have gone to the funeral. So I called my parents on the way home and I thought, okay, well, this is maybe a way that she's punishing me because I haven't called recently. Maybe. I don't know. You know, it's always the unknown. But very very likely. And so no the home phone was busy, so I called my dad's cell phone and my dad and I talked and I said, well, when did he die? And he said, well, January 15th. I said, how long did you know? Oh, you, you know, we probably found out the 16th. I'm like, so you knew? You knew for seven days? Because like, if you would have given, if I would have had just a little bit of help, like an inkling, I could have made arrangements to go. And I said, did you go to the funeral? No. So nobody in our family, after being neighbors with these people for 60 years, went to the funeral. And I thought that was ridiculous. I don't care what like your qualms were. I mean, show them a little bit of respect. And he anyway, so this was kind of a lesson for me this week in learning how those are some of the ways that my mom keeps her hooks in me. Um, and it was very similar when I was over in Germany and I, my horse had died. And instead of calling me to tell me that, you know, this friend, this beloved animal that was my friend had died, she just very callously sent me an email. And I thought, you fucking bitch. And I know it's, and I hate to just come on here and just bitch. But this just really hurt. And so I've been kind of grieving this. And I didn't get to say any kind of goodbye. But I really, I think Al was probably one of the first men that I knew around here that had gotten sober and that talked about it. And what alcohol had done to him in his life. And I knew it was bad. Like, I knew his boys had to, like, they, like, tried to keep him from coming in at night. He was a violent fucking drunk. But just, like, having the first person that I knew personally that changed his life around and, like, lived a life of sobriety and was always willing to show me kindness 
and just the kind of meanness that my why wouldn't they share that so that really hurt but I'm making some really big strides in my associations and in some points of pain there's a lot of good things that are happening too like amazing like wonderful good things but processing and making these associations is painful thanks and happy birthday you know i was thinking about when you were sharing about you know getting the late notice and my mom would do a lot of similar things to that and and i think that what was really moving about what when i was listening to you was in a way it desensitizes you because you know my mom was always kind of matter of fact about it and you know in, in a way it's like it deadens you to these feelings of loss you, you know and and losing someone is is something that grieving is necessary for us to be fully feeling or whatever and um and i think over this last year is you know for me it was like getting back in touch with those deep emotions from our child from my childhood that were buried because those emotions were either uncomfortable for our parents or for my parents and so we could never really i could not access them so there was like then you would go like decades of living and disconnected from those emotions of loss or whatever they are and so it was super powerful nicole so thank you um because it really touched me because it was something that i've buried long ago and i'm thankful for this adult child work to um be in touch with those emotions again and um so that's all i got that this is a lot um the the i mean just spending my entire well my you know spending the first 20 years of my life for the first 19 years of my life living you know where you're completely manipulated by these narcissistic alcoholics or, you know, even though my mom didn't drink, she did drink the religious Kool-Aid. Oh, and this is recorded. So um, my name's Anna Maria Albergetti. But um, but uh, I was thinking, like when my sister, you know, had to go rescue my dad. And, you know, he said to me on the phone, well, it's a good thing that I had your sister because I didn't know what I was going to do. And I said to him, well, it's a good thing that you raised one codependent kid. Because I was, I wasn't going to take, I wasn't going to take the, like, the wads of guilt that he was, you know, trying to, like, I didn't feel guilty. I'm like, dude, you're 80 years old. You have a pension. Figure it out. Like, you don't have a checkbook. You don't have wallet. You don't have credit cards in your wallet. Not my job to save you, dude. So, because uh, he sure the fuck did, he sure the fuck didn't save his children from the religious Kool-Aid. So, eat it.
So, um, and but speaking of, so the polyester covered vagina died and my cousin told me five months after she passed away that she had died. And I think in their defense, they probably didn't tell me because they would afraid they were afraid I might start to giggle at what she was wearing. But um, you know, it's those those are supposed to be like that's supposed to be my my blood. Like my blood is treating me like that. Like it was this big secret that she died, and like I had to say to my cousin, "Does my mom know that her mom died?" Like really like that's that's who you people are so me having any expectation that one day they're going to be like so what are your feelings about this and how can we make you better never gonna fucking happen so um to the person who's living on their own for the first time i forgot who that was run out to the middle of the street toss your hat in the air you're gonna make it after all that's all i got well that wraps up shit show saturday as always Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye. Bye.